Welcome to a solo edition of the Hockey Hits podcast for November 14, 2014. It's just me today, Cameron. Basically, I decided I'd jump on and have a bit of a look at some of the injuries that are floating around. Um, basically, this has come about due to the Conor McDavid um, kerfuffle in regards to him breaking his hand whilst fighting. Uh, we'll also take a look at uh, poor old Nathan Horton and his back situation, um, just the effects that Rich Peverly being MIA on the Dallas Stars, um, the depths that that's uh, screwing around with poor old Dallas, and also Carter Ashton and how he's trying to claim that it's not really up to him in regards to what he should and shouldn't be taking and the um, responsibilities that players need to have in regards to what they put in their body and whether or not um, professional teams should uh, should help players out a little bit more with that. Um, so without further ado, we'll get into the podcast. First up, I'd like to talk about Conor McDavid and the broken hand. Um, it's, it's funny how this has sort of happened. You get a star player who busts a hand, and Conor McDavid's not even in the NHL, and then all of a sudden the talk of fighting comes up again, whether it should or shouldn't be in the NHL, whether it should or shouldn't be in junior hockey. Um, I have to admit, I don't think uh, fighting should be in junior hockey. Um, We're dealing with kids here. Bodies and brains are still developing. Anything you can do to avoid getting a head rattled, I think is a great way to go about it. it's a contact sport. You're always going to get um, contact contact with the head at times when you don't want to. A clean hit can basically make the brain rattle inside the skull. So contact sports, you're always going to have a level of risk when it comes to the brain. But there's no need to have fighting in junior hockey. Um, you get adults, you get men when you get to the NHL. I've got no issues in regards to having fighting in that. Um, it's been interesting hearing, you know, talkback radio, hearing the, the special comments guys during games, and then obviously the panels in between, in between periods um, on the coverage at the moment. Most of the people are basically saying, well done, Connor McDavid, for sticking up for himself, you know basically saying that scouts and general managers will will think higher of him for having enough of being hacked and whacked and slashed all the time and creating space for himself and basically wanting to say that for him not to be soft. And that's a great thing. You know, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure if they're looking at it in the right way because we want to take a look at why he felt like he needed to to swing a few punches. So if he's constantly getting hacked and whacked through the game and the penalties aren't being called, and if he's being hacked and whacked post-whistle and penalties aren't being called, it's not really his job to get there and feel like he has to create space for himself. Isn't it a case that the officials need to actually call the penalties as they should be from the rule book? It's the same argument you get when you hit the playoffs. It's like, oh, it's the playoffs, 
the games are going to be called tighter. The games shouldn't be called tighter. They should be called as they're supposed to be called in the rule book. It's, it's baffling to me that there are two sets of rules in the NHL. There's, well, there's three when you think about it. There's pre-season, there's the regular season, then there's the post-season. So it's a little, it's a little baffling to me that for a league that is trying to learn how to market its stars and, and how to show how unbelievably fast and skilled the game of hockey is, they still haven't got around to calling the rule book the way it's written. It doesn't have to be in favour of the skilled players. It just has to be called the way it was originally written, and things will change. Players adjust. You know, if you're constantly getting called for penalties, for hooking and slashing and holding, they'll stop doing it, and they'll just get beaten. And then those players will either end up with less ice time or out of the league. And that's okay. It's the way it goes. I don't think fighting will ever totally leave. We're already seeing the change in the league now in regards to the heavyweight. There's very few of them left. And you've got to be able to contribute more than two minutes of ice time a game. You know, the good teams have got four lines whose fourth line can contribute anywhere from eight to 12 minutes a game. And it's really important now. It will change. Only if the people running the league will make the change. So the bigger problem, I think, in situations like this are headshots. And, you know, anyone that's listened to this and and reads the stuff that we do at Hockey Hurts totally understands that we're not big on, on headshots. If the league can actually make some changes with that, fighting will be fine. Fighting's rare. Okay, headshots are becoming more common. And we need to try and do something about changing that. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. But until penalties start being called the way they should, star players are going to flip out and they're going to want to go and make hits. So you've got to try and work out why the player felt compelled that he had to go and get in a fight. That'll probably solve the problem for those that are concerned about fighting. Well, the league had to pop out another suspension earlier in the week. Unfortunately, it was for substance abuse. And what was even worse about it is that it it seems as though it it could have been avoided. It doesn't seem as though it was a situation where Carter Ashton of the Maple Leafs was trying to cheat the system. It wasn't like he was trying to do something where he was trying to get an unfair advantage on everyone else. He just wasn't careful enough in regards to taking something that was supposed to help him breathe. Now, it's one of those things where over here in Australia, we've had a, a, a massive situation with an AFL club called uh, Essendon. They had um, a drugs regime going through the entire club that from the fitness staff said that it was safe to go ahead and, and use this stuff. It's turned out that um, the drug agency here in Australia, ASADA, and then WADA, the World, World Drug Authority, um, have said that no, what the players were taking was illegal. So who has responsibility in this situation to know what can and can't go into the body? Well, for starters, in the situation of, of Carter Ashton, I would suggest that he, if he is asthmatic and he requires to have something, he should have 
um, his asthma medication with him at all times. And that way he knows that what he's going to take for his asthma is going to be legal. From that point, the Toronto Maple Leafs need to make sure that all the Maple Leaf players are taking stuff that's legal. And you would assume they would. I mean, these clubs are multi-million dollar clubs. Those sorts of things should be simple practice. So it's disappointing to see Carter Ashton miss 20 games for what you'd basically consider a simple mistake. Um, but it's one that I don't think he or the Toronto Maple Leafs will, will, will make again. And hopefully the other clubs around the league will be on to all of their players now trying to make sure that they, they don't make the same mistakes. You know, it's, it's amazing that these professional teams can make these sorts of blunders in regards to looking after their player welfare. But live and learn, I suppose. On the debilitating injury front, we have Nathan Horton. Hopefully you guys have had a chance by now to read Aaron Portsline's article, um, just in regards to uh, not, ev- not even worrying about Nathan Horton being able to play hockey, but just being able to live his life. Um, it's so sad, so sad to see. It's one of those things where I'm sure himself, the training staff, He's, you know, his personal trainers, all those sorts of people that have been trying to look after Nathan, have tried to work out where it went wrong. You know, it's 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 tough. Um, it's one of those things that, without being anywhere near it, I have my own opinions in regards to how the body's supposed to function. So this isn't by any means saying that. Um, Horton was mistreated or misdiagnosed or anything along those lines. It's got nothing to do with that. It's one of those things where you try to get there and and minimize how many times this can happen to an athlete. You want to try and make sure that um, an athlete's body is functioning at its optimum level for as long as it possibly can. Um, One of the things that I've noticed when training semi-pro athletes um, and then just uh, us normal everyday average people is that everyone's mechanical problems generally come from their pelvis in that their pelvis isn't sitting in its neutral position in regards. You know when you see that diagram of the skeletal system and it's dangling from a cord and where the pelvis sits in that situation? That's where you want the pelvis to be sitting all the time. And if you can get a pelvis to sit in that spot, as a general rule, you can generate as much power, as much strength and as much mobility out of the rest of the body as, as you so choose. It also comes down to how the strength of the body is developed. Hockey players need to have ridiculously strong legs. They also need to have an extremely strong core so that that pelvic position can stay where they want it to when they try to drive off their skates. Um, it's a tough one to try and get right. It's just sad that it looks as though not only someone's career, but someone's life could be degenerative to the point where it's not fun to play with his kids anymore. Um, Here's hoping that whether Horton goes for surgery or um, alternative therapies to try and try and fix his back, that he can at least get to the point where life's enjoyable, not even just meh, 
let's just hope he can get himself to the point where he can he can help raise his kids. Um, what can you say about the Columbus Blue Jackets? They're uh, that almost think that they're cursed this year. All the uh, almost all of their important players have been injured at some point. Um, I've got to be careful that the season doesn't get away from them um, and get to Christmas and they've got too many points they're trying to catch up. So we'll see how that falls for them as well. And finally, there's Rich Peverly. I haven't been able to find any more updates in regards to how Peverly's going and recovering from his condition. Um, it's one of those things where, as you guys know, I picked Dallas to... Um, to win the Central Division, and, and right now they're doing an extremely good job of, of making me look like a fool. Um, and, and Peverly's kind of been forgotten in the mix. You know, you've got Alesh Hemsky, who, as Gunnar said, is having a tyre fire of a start to the year. Um, there's also, you know, Hawkoff, who's who's struggling as well. So it's one of those things with Peverly where they probably get some balance if, if they can get him back. I mean, Valeria Nichushkin has been out for a while as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how Jim Neal goes trying to balance out that roster. Almost everyone who, who's got um, any thought processes on Dallas has basically figured that it's their, their back six that, that's their problem. So do they deal from their strength in regards to their forward depth to try and cover up and fix up a weakness or... Do they just go with the roster and, and hope that when Nichushkin comes back um, and maybe if Peverly gets back on the ice, who knows what's going to happen in that situation, um, they can they can balance things out and, and, and catch up a few points. That central division is murder. I know that, that you know, the Pacific and, and, and because of that, that swing through California is being considered the, the toughest division, but that central division is brutal. Um, so... Who knows what's going to happen there in regards to seeding and, and even actually making the making the playoffs. But if Calgary and, and Vancouver keep performing at the surprising level that they currently are, there could be an extremely good central team that misses out purely because they can't rack up enough points. And that's just from having to play the central so often. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um Kind of hope Peverly gets back on the ice. I'd like to not look like a fool with my <laughs> prediction on, on the Dallas Stars, but we'll see what happens in that situation. And Chushkin's not far away, so hopefully that'll help them out a little bit. So that'll do us for today, guys. Um, nice and short, basically <laughs> focused around injuries and, and those sorts of things. Um, you can follow, follow me at Walshy66. We've got Gunner at... Uh, Gunner Store, um, and also we've got Hockey underscore Hertz, we've got the website, um, hockeyhertz.com, um, any comments, uh, suggestions and help um, is fantastic, we're obviously writing because we enjoy it, but also because you guys enjoy what we write as well, so if you've got any topics you'd like us to try and cover off or anything along those lines, by all means. Flick us through an email or, or ask us on, on Twitter and we'll, we'll, we'll try and accommodate. Um, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening.